Welcome to episode 66 of Drew's Sports Crew here on this Monday morning. So this is going to be a fun episode. First half, you know, as we talked about last week, it's going to be me going through the weekly segments as usual. Second half, today we have on Bart Lundy, head coach of the UW-Milwaukee men's basketball team. And this is going to be a great episode. Look, the second half, it's a great interview with Coach Lundy, and I'm excited to air that. But first, got to go through the weekly segments, go through all the announcements, right? So if you've not heard, Journey to a Million is officially partnered with Thrive Fantasy. Go check out our Instagram, Facebook, all of our social media platforms for more information on that. And that's Drew Sports Crew, you know, no no spaces in between that. And it's all lowercase, so you can find us there. And then it's Drew's Sports Crew on Facebook and YouTube. But, you know, enough with that. We got to talk about these weekly segments here. We got to start in the shout-out of the week. We got to shout-out the Milwaukee Brewers. They won a game this week. They won one game. They they did it Sunday. I, you know, I was afraid they were going to not win a game this whole week. But, you know what? They proved me wrong. They won that game Sunday. Look, it's been a frustrating past, you know, week for Brewers fans and, it's been tough, right? We'll talk about more, you know, in our br- brief Brewer segment because, like I said, we have a guest on the second half of this episode. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the shout-out has to go to them. They do win. You know, Willie Adamas carries the team on his back. Jason Alexander puts together a solid outing, and Brewers get the dub on Sunday. So, you know, with that, we got to go to the stats of the week now, and we got to go through them here. So we got five of them here. First one here is with the San Diego Padres starting pitcher Joe Musgrove. Had his 11th straight start to begin the season of six-plus innings and two or fewer earned runs. And this was on Friday versus Colorado. Since earned runs became an official stat in 1913, the only pitcher with a longer such streak to begin a season was the Rockies' Ubaldo Jimenez in 2010, and his went to 12 was his streak. So Joe Musgrove's next start can tie that and look, Right now, him, Sandy Alcantara, and Pablo Lopez are the three Cy Young frontrunners in the NL. You know, I would love to include Corbin Burns, but just, you know, it hasn't worked out for him in terms of the earned runs, right? I mean, that's his ERA is a little bit up there, but the, look, the stuff's there for Burns. We'll talk about his outing in our brief Brewer prediction challenge and preview. And with that, let's go to the next stat here Steph Curry. He finished with 43 points and 10 rebounds in the Warriors' Game 4 win over the Celtics. At age 34, he's 34 years and 88 days old at the time of this stat. He is the second oldest player in NBA Finals history to record a 40-10 game. Find only, you guessed it, LeBron James, who did it in 2020 with the Lakers. At age 35, and he was 35 years old and 284 days to add to that, so almost 36 there. Here's one for the Brewers. You know, I, I like to read this stat. This this stat, you know, comforts me when I think about this team, about this losing streak, and about, you know, just about those thoughts. The Brewers have had Willie Adamas, Andrew McCutcheon, Hunter Renfro, Luis Urias, and Colton Wong all on the active roster at the same time for exactly how many games you think? The answer is four. Four games only, May 3rd through May 6th. And guess what? They went 4-0 in those games. So, you know, if that puts it into perspective, look, think about the injuries. And then Urias right now, as I'm recording here Sunday night, we now know 
he's gonna be day to day. They're gonna be they're gonna be kind of play play it and test it out with his hamstring. That's gonna be that's alarming. And we know Wong's on the IL, so just adds to another one there. And you know, having we need to have all those guys in the lineup together. And I think then you'll see some more results. But next stat here. Matt Carpenter to the Yankees, when he signed, you know, it was like, okay, what's this guy going to do? He's going to be in AAA for a little bit. Nope, he's right in the big leagues right away. Matt Carpenter now has six hits with the Yankees, five of them, home runs. This is the 20, Yankees 27th game with the multiple home runs, and that was most in the MLB this season. So keep that in mind. And that was last night's, I believe, or that might have been today's game. It depends. It was either Saturday's or Sunday's game. There and then, last one here. The Lightning of Tampa Bay they advanced to their third consecutive Stanley Cup final appearance. Last team to do so, the Edmonton Oilers in 1983 to 1985. And that rounds out the stats of the week. And now let's go to on this day in sports history. On this day, the date is June 13th, 2022. This Monday morning, and look, we got a lot of baseball because that's just how it is. On this day in 1905, New York Giants future baseball Hall of Famer Christy, Christy Mathewson threw his second no-hitter, and he beat the Chicago Cubs 1-0 at Westside Grounds in Chicago. Next one here on this day in 1913, the Yankees win 13th game of the year after losing 36 games. Look, this this Yankee team this year, only 16 losses right now. They are looking like the World Series front runners right now. They are playing some of the best baseball We've seen from the Yankees in the, over the last decade, to say the least. Next one here on this day in 1921, more Yankees. Yankees pitcher Babe Ruth he hits two home runs, and they beat the D- Detroit Tigers there, 11 to eight. On this day in 1924, yes, another Yankees one. They won by forfeit over the Tigers, their third forfeit win. So I'm not sure why there was a forfeit there, but there was a forfeit. So. On this day in 1937, now Joe DiMaggio hits three consecutive home runs against the St. Louis Browns. On this day in 1947, no more Yankees now. The first night game at Fenway Park took place, and the Red Sox win that game, and they beat the White Sox 5-3. On this day in 1957, Ted Williams becomes the first ALer, so the first player in the American League, to have two three-home run games in a season. On this day in 1986, Los Angeles Dodgers Steve Garvey becomes the first ejection from that game. And it was right after Atlanta's triple play. So we don't know what happened there. You know, I'm not sure why he got ejected, but he did in that game. On this day in 1988, Boston Red Sox are 10 games back in the AL. And they still go on to win the AL East. And look, this was in... June, mid-June, they still come back from a 10-game deficit. Playoffs were a lot harder to make a lot that time ago, but but now, as we know, easier to make, to say the least. On this day in 1989, the 43rd NBA championship, the, the Bad Boy Pistons of Detroit, they sweep the LA Lakers in four games. There we go. And then on this day in 1991, NHL owners, they present contract to players, and as a result of this, you, you might have guessed it, April 1st, then we get a strike in 1992, so the year after you get that. On this day in 1994, Chicago Cubs second baseman Ryan Sandberg retires due to poor play, and he forfeited 
$15.7 million of his $25 million contract on this day in 1994. Last one here. Don Maddenly plays first base for his 1,469th game for the Yankees. Second most. I had to include another Yankees one there. I know I said I wasn't, but look, there's so much Yan- Yankees stuff on here, so I could j- really just say on this day in Yankees history. But we'll wrap it up there and... With that, we're going to go to our Brewer Prediction Challenge. Look, do I have to share how I did last week? Do I have to? I will, I will. So, last week, I said the Brewers were going 4-2. and two. They went 1-5. and five. You know, I, I'm known for giving generous record predictions for my squad. I mean, it makes sense. But, you know, I I personally, I thought I was gonna, we're going to see some good stuff. Week schedule, I mean, it was other than the Phillies, right? I mean, they have new manager, you know, and their favorable pitching matchups, we had Burns on the bump in that series. I was like, okay, looks good, looks good. You know, game one, I'm at it. It's Bark at the Park night. I got to see a lot of dogs. You know, I was like, okay, you know, Brewers. And they're they're up 2-1 to one right now. They're up 2-1 to one in the ninth. They got Josh Hader coming in. Lights out, hasn't given him a round year. I'm like, all right. My girlfriend, it was her first game, Brewer game. I'm like, all right, this is going to be three up, three down inning. We'll be on our way. It'll be a little over two-hour game very quick. And you know what? Baseball happened then. Josh Hader gives up two solo home runs on, you know, Alec Bohm hits one out, and then Matt Veerling hits them hits one out. And look, they they put good swings on on balls, and um, you know, Veerling was definitely sitting fastball, and he got a good one to hit. And yeah, just baseball. I guess that's how you can sum it up. I mean, that's how Josh Hader summed it up. You know, can't be perfect. And for someone who was, it seemed perfect the whole year until then. You know it. That's just how it is, and overall, you know, you can't complain by any means. Jason Alexander pitched in that game as well. And look, he only had one strikeout, but I let me tell you, he's an outgetter. That's what he is, and that's what he'll do. Uh, you'll see, you know, to likes, you know, he'll pitch like Kyle Hendricks is kind of how I compare it to him, but, you know, he's doing what Hendricks is not doing right now, and that's keeping the ball in the yard, and that's kind of led to some nice success. This is actually, we saw Yelich get two hits that night. Look, we were talking about last week. Yelich was on a brutal stretch, and he got out of it this week, and Craig Council puts him in the leadoff spot, which we'll talk about. I mean, that kind of, that contributed to some of the success. Now him in the leadoff spot, he's supposed to got a lot better at bats this past week, which it's looked, it's it's been nice to see, which we haven't seen from some other players. But look, it was just tough this past week. Pablo Reyes, um, who unfortunately, you know, necessarily should not be on you know in a big league starting lineup right now he's getting playing time which nothing against Pablo Reyes look he is a hustle player he is fun to watch it's just right now his hitting is not the major league level and that's just that just hurts this club well you know when he's batting nine it's it's been where you've had almost a pitcher and his hits like his average might look better than it seems they've been these infield infield singles it's been low exit velo you know uh, expected batting average under 200 kind of hits and that's that's unfortunately how it's been for this club, but look, uh, then Wednesday, you know, you see arguably the worst game from the Brewers we've seen this year, 10 to nothing loss, like this game. Talk about tough ones to watch. I mean, this game is the definition of a tough one to watch. Hauser gets rocked, right? Luke Barker, unfortunately, he's another guy who, you know, he's been he's been solid in AAA, but he just, he's at the big league level right now, and he's just not ready. He's just not ready, and that, that's been a problem there, and then Aaron Nola, he he's another guy. He's he's a pitcher, all right. You know he's been inconsistent. He's gotten unlucky. He's got a little with the with the 
batting average with balls in play. He's kind of gotten unlucky with low exit velo balls, batted balls getting hit, being hits. But, you know, it, it wasn't a problem in this outing. He only allowed four hits, six strikeouts, no walks. Like, I mean, he's a pitcher, let me tell you. And fortunately, then they do lose 8-2 to two then on Thursday and you know, on this in this losing streak, it's been it's been the pitching that's been you know the struggle, and we'll talk about in Washington. I mean, that was the big story, but Burns, you know, the outing, you know, he had lots of swinging strikes here. He had eight strikeouts and four and a third, three hits allowed only. He didn't pitch. He didn't pitch bad at all. He just got you know the four walks. He was getting squeezed in the strike zone. That was the story. Zach Eflin also got squeezed, but look at the end of the day, the the Phillies were able to take advantage. Trevor Kelly. Got rocked a little bit, and look, Brewers got swept against the Phillies. We saw them get swept in a four-game one last year at Citizens Park in Philly, but look, they go to Washington. You're like, okay, this is what the Brewers need, road trip, whatever. You're against one of the worst teams in baseball, and you lose the first two games. You give up a combined 19 runs. You let the Nationals get 19 hits against you. It was the other story in game one, and Look, you know, some of it were their bloopers, right? You were like, okay, well, Aaron Ashby, you know, it's it was tough. He got was getting squeezed. He lost 13 hits, though. I mean, these were like, he was getting rocked a little bit around. He just could see a little bit of his inexperience get to him. Miguel Sanchez, and then they pitched Barker. And, yeah, they sent him down after. But, look, it was that game. Let's not talk about Friday and Saturday, right? I mean, the similar results. Oh, bats starting to wake up. Yelich in leadoff spot. Yelch is picking it up then, you know, and now his OPS plus is above average. It's at 101 right now, so he's above, you know, above average there. But look, Brewers, they finally win, like I said, shot of the week. On Sunday, Willie Adamas, you know, carries, puts the team on his back. And that's that was the big story for the squad. Josh Hader, right, redeems himself. Strikes out the side in the ninth, you know, classic Josh Hader. But Jason Alexander did Jason Alexander things, like I said, he... Loud seven hits, you might be like, oh, and four and two thirds, not good. But two strikeouts, three walks, and he pitched out a bases loaded jam. You know, he did it. He did what he needed to do. And you know, this this Nationals team, they they swung a, the bat very nicely in this series. But you know, the Brewers still were able to come through in Game Three and salvage it there. But look, Christian Yelich like, again in the leadoff spot. I think that's going to be his place to stay now with Wong on the IL. Mark Mathias, you know, him coming up in this weekend, having a pretty nice weekend. And now we learn, like I said, with Urias, that's going to be a problem. We're going to see a lot more Jace Pearson, which I'm okay with. I mean, Jace Pearson has taken the role, and he's lived up to expectations, even exceeded them there. And then Tyrone Taylor's cooled off a little bit. Omar Narvaez is now back off the COVID IL. But you'll still see him platoon right now because he's not playing well enough necessarily where you can bat him against lefties. I mean, there's streaks last year where you were going to when he was playing like the all-star player he was in the first half. And then we got some other news and notes, though, here before we talk about next week. Brandon Woodruff, we learned uh, he was diagnosed with Raynaud's Raynaud's syndrome. And with that, uh, in case you are not aware of it, it's a condition in which the body, so it will cause numbness then in, in the fingers, so right now he's dealing with it in his hand, and that's a problem there because when he's pitching, right, I mean, he can't feel the grip of the baseball. So uh, the word is that he's getting treatment, and, you know, it's delaying. Like, he's, he's good to go with the ankle. We learned the ankle is not a problem, but the concern then goes to what he's dealing with right now. So we don't know when he'll be back. 
and um, it's just preventing his return right now. So he's just he's just waiting right now is what we know. So look as someone who has Brandon Woodruff in fantasy leagues, as a Brandon Woodruff fan, you know I, I actually on this podcast I did say he was my preseason Cy Young pick. I did I did go that far, which he has not lived up to those expectations, but he's still been a solid player and. Yeah, we'll, we'll revisit my my awards predictions because I'll tell you, the other ones are pretty spot on right now. But, yeah, uh, with that, let's go into next week. So, talk about this Brewers schedule. A well-deserved off day on Monday, right? June 13th today. No baseball for the Brewer crew, but you get two cities now they have left. It was a three-city road trip. They already went to Washington, right? Traveling right now. To New York, to City Field, to play the Mets for three games. Wednesday night's game is on Fox Sports 1. It's on national television, so go watch that. Now on Wednesday night, all three are 6-10 first pitches in Central Time. And then Brewers got a three-game series against Cincinnati. Look, hopefully they can redeem themselves after that ugly series in Cincinnati where they were giving up a lot of runs. But it's 5:40 on Friday, first pitch. 3:10 on Saturday and then 12:40 on Sunday, so all over the place there. And then thankfully they go back home, and we'll talk about those giveaway stuff next week. But six games on the slate, tough one against the Mets. Mets don't have Scherzer. Mets don't have Degrom. Look, pitching that helps out. We'll get Burns. Uh, it looks like we'll get Burns either game three of that series, or we'll get him Friday. You know, so we get Burns. So that's a plus. And I will go. Look, I mean, I, I I hate to keep going four and two, but I think the schedule is four and two all over. I think you either take two out of three from the Mets, take two out of three from the Reds. There's your four wins right there, or you might do a little sweep against the Reds, and then you might you could even lose this series here against the Mets because I mean they're playing they're playing great baseball right now in the NL East, and yeah, I think that's going to be how it go. I'm four four and two for week ten is my record prediction and. Look, I don't want to go too long here talking baseball because, look, we have to go to the second half of the episode. We have Bart Lundy on, like I said. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, you're going to hear from myself and Bart Lundy, head coach of the UW-Milwaukee Panthers basketball team. I was recently introduced to AG1, and wow, if you're someone like me who hates taking pills and vitamins, wants more energy, and wants a more optimized immune system, let me tell you why this is the perfect supplement for you so what is this stuff, you may ask? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's all of those things. And look, this is the perfect thing to start your morning routine, start your day off right with just one scoop of AG1 with some water. And let's talk about AG1. What makes it so great, you may ask? It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting good. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, right? And it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. And let's talk about the price, right? You might be asking about that. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance, and with that, you know, that's going to save you money, right? It costs you less than $3 a day while you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than that cold brew habit, which I do have. I do love my coffee, but uh, talk about what the founder did here. He created 
Athletic Greens after experience how difficult it was to create an optimal nutritional routine on your own, and I can attest to that. It is extremely difficult on a day-by-day basis. Athletic Greens, they also have over 7,000 five-star reviews, so you know you are getting the best when it comes to Athletic Greens. And also, they're they're a climate-neutral certified company, so you know they care about the environment. And for every purchase, they donate to organizations helping to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the U.S. And right now, it is just time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. Look, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one year supply free of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash emerging. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash emerging, A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-G-R-E-E-N-S dot com forward slash emerging, E-M-E-R-G-I-N-G. And that is to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Episode 66 resumes on the podcast with our special guest. Newly named head coach of the UW-Milwaukee Panthers basketball team, Coach Bart Lundy. So, Coach, how are you doing today? How's it going? It's going well. Thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it. And, uh, look, we got a lot of stuff to talk about here in the second half of the episode. We got to talk, you know, about what brought you here to Milwaukee, Coach, and then also just about the team next year, of course. But first, we're going to start, you know, talking about who you are. So what got you into basketball and um, when did you get into basketball? Oh, uh, I don't know. I was so young. I, I don't even remember that. Um, as long as I've known anything, I've, <laughs> I've it's had been in some the blood. kind of ball in my hand and, and uh, basketball was kind of always my favorite sport. I'm not, I don't know if it was my absolute best sport, Um but it was my favorite sport. I grew up in a football family um, and I have an uncle who's a, a kind of a famous soccer coach, but I uh, never played soccer and then uh, and, and didn't end up playing uh, finishing football in my high school career, which uh, my family wasn't super happy about. Um, but uh, baseball, basketball, football were the sports that I played growing up. And, uh, and then I always knew, hoops was where I wanted to go um had some some pretty good opportunities in baseball but uh always always it was always hoops it's always it always came back to basketball love to hear that and then you know what position were you playing in basketball were you, were you running the one yeah yeah I was uh I, I was a point guard then I ate a point guard no <laughs> yeah I was a I was a skilled skinny kid uh could shoot it pretty good but uh handled it really well and, and uh, kind of was always a, a smart player and, you know, always wanted to be a coach. So I was always studying. Always, you know, studying that. Awesome. Uh, then going, you know, college, where did you, where did you end up for your, where did you play college basketball? I did. I did. I ended up at uh, a school called the university of North Carolina at Pembroke. Um, and uh, I was, uh, I was pre um, internet. So, uh, I would, I moved around 
five different high schools. So uh, it was kind of funny. I would I would go to the the, the best camps. I would get invited to the best camps in the summer. Um, but uh, I had a lot of coaches tell me it was hard to find out where I ended up. Uh, my dad, you just told me you were working at Aldi. My dad uh, got into a niche where he opened and closed grocery stores when I was in high school. So uh, we would move every time that they sent him somewhere else. So uh, it was great, great for him. Not so good for uh, my, my stability in high school. But uh, so, so uh, coaches would kind of get interested and then, uh, you know, lose track of me. And uh, that, was, uh, that was a different era. So, but uh, loved my time at Pembroke. Uh, ended up transferring kind of back home to a school called Lenore Ryan, both Division Twos. And then, um, and then got into coaching right away. Yeah, and, and Division Two coaching. I mean, you played in Division Two, like you said, and that's mm-hmm. kind of where you where you stayed around for your career to talk about coaching, right? You know, you start, you go around there, you, you go to Queens in North Carolina, you have that sit there, and then it all works back. And twenty thirteen, they see you return. But in between there, we got to talk about your first stint in Milwaukee at, at Marquette. You know, with basketball yeah. operations. Look, I don't know if you know, but there are some uh, wonderful videos on YouTube from Fox Sports Wisconsin. They used to run the Marquette, you know, they, they do the Marquette weekly thing. And there's, they got, they got you drawn X's and O's on the old whiteboard from like 2009, 2010. So some archives there. Yeah, you can't, can't run from the, can't run from that stuff, huh? Well, I'll have to go back and look and see if I had any idea what I was talking about. But yeah, all um, I'm saying, you know, new, you know, Milwaukee Panther fans who are listening, look, go back, you know, go watch those videos. Like you can see the great basketball mind that Coach Lundy is, and it's those are some great, you know, great archives there, back of the old whiteboard. And uh, yeah, I guess to talk about you know that, and then you go like we said to Queens back there, and you you ended up coaching there for a long a long time there, and you know overall very successful there. I, we also have to include right finishing, you know, top two in the conference. Your last six years there, seven years there, my bad, and um, just qualifying for the Division Two NCAA tournament each year. Of course, the COVID year, you know, that doesn't mean much there. And um, but overall, you know, how how would you describe your time in Queens? You know, what would you learn there, both in both stints, and just overall, how was it? Well, my uh, my first stint. I was, I was 25 years old. So, uh, I don't, I'm not sure they knew exactly how old I was. I was already losing my hair. So they, they didn't, they didn't know that, uh, I was quite that young, but, um, you know, I, I think that, um, I thought I had, I thought I had, uh, a lot of answers back then and we won a lot of games, but, uh, I look back on that coach and, uh, you know, I was probably holding on for dear life a little bit. Uh, I went on from there to, to high point university and then, and then to Marquette, uh, and then one year at North Texas, University of North Texas. And then uh, Queens had uh, built a new facility, a beautiful arena, and uh, went back to Queens, kind of back to my, back to my roots. And um, I, I love Queens. I mean, it's uh, great academics. Uh, it's kind of similar to Milwaukee. It's a city school. It's right in Uptown Charlotte, uh, stone's throw from where the Hornets play, where the Panthers play. Uh, so, you know, a lot of similarities in that. It is a private school, it's smaller, uh, but the basketball is, you know, awesome. Uh, I think we 
We ended up with, in the last seven years, 24 guys signed pro contracts at some level. So, uh, you know, we, we really had it rolling. Queens was going division one. Um, you know, well, they, they are. They, yeah. They've awesome. actually made the transition. Yeah. Now they're in the a sun. They'll, they'll compete in the a sun this coming year. Um, so, you know, it was a tough place to leave. Um, but, uh, I saw the potential here, obviously being three years in the city, I knew, uh, you know, the fan base here, uh, and, uh, I love Charlotte, but the fan base here is better, uh, more supportive, more into college athletics. Uh, so there, that was a, that was a big reason for the move as well. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that and look at, at the, at the Panther games, uh, you'll see Craig council manager, of the Milwaukee Brewers, you know, he's, he's at a good chunk of the games during the week. You'll see him. I mean, other guys, you know, David Gruber, another one around here. I mean, these, there's a lot of, you know, people arguably, you know, athletes from other sports coming in, watching the, the support, the fan base, you know, it's huge here, as you mentioned, but uh, we got to talk, you know, about expectations too. Right. So transfer portal that hits, I mean, every year in, in college sports and, you know, bringing when new coach comes in, new transfers come in. So and a lot of guys left as well, but we got to talk about the guys who came in, right, coach? So, you know, starting with Keon Edwards, I think that's a big story there, getting him from Nebraska. And just overall, I mean, I'm looking forward to his game, right? I mean, scouts were saying power five, power five starter, and then being able to get him at UW Milwaukee. I mean, talk about that. That's wonderful guy there and just overall what have you seen from Keon and just overall you how has he been oh he's awesome I mean he's a he's a great uh a great young man uh really really is trying to find uh you know um uh a system and a coaching staff that will allow him to grow the way he needs to grow uh he is uh he is oozing with talent um you know he left he left high school uh early during that COVID year. And uh, really, I haven't seen many guys do that and it really work. I just think it's too young. And, you know, so, so we are going to be the beneficiaries of kind of that rough, rough start that he had uh, to his uh, college uh, basketball career. But two years ago, he's a five-star guy. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, he, he, uh, he has uh, all the potential. He has the character to be great. Uh, he's got a great personality. So, uh, you know, Panther fans are going to, going to absolutely love him. He's super athletic. He's, uh, he's a legit six, eight, maybe a hair bigger. He can really shoot it. Uh, so he's, he's a good player. Awesome. And I mean, and that goes for a lot of these transfers, you know, coming in, uh, hopefully I, I'm going to try to name them all here. Justin Thomas, Brian yeah. Taylor, Angelo Stewart, Jordan Ratliff, Jalen Johnson, Elijah Jameson, Zach Howell, BJ Freeman. And then you, then other guys who are returning too. So, um, no, overall, this was a wonderful, you know, transfer for, look for a mid-major school, being able to bring in the talent that was brought in. I think certainly the expectations for the Milwaukee Panther, you know, and the, for the fans, I think they're going to be awfully impressed because, uh, we got to talk about the expectations too, I guess, you know, for on your end coach, coach, what are you, what are you thinking for expectations wise this year? I know a lot of people get concerned when it's a year one coach, right? And they're they're afraid it might be a transition year in this first year. But overall, what are your thoughts here and expectations for year one? Well, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of the expectations and a little bit of coach speak. Uh, people will say it's coach speak, but it's the way I talk. Uh, 
uh, we, we, I never really worry about wins and losses so much. I worry about doing every day right. And everybody, you know, a lot of coaches talk about process. We, we really live it. Uh, we really live getting better every day and doing every day the right way. Uh, with that said, uh, as, as we put together this roster, uh, I was very conscious that, uh, that uh, Milwaukee has not had a winning season since 2014. And um, we need to get people on board with this program. So what um, I didn't want us to come out and just be um, just be okay. And, you know, uh, again, not not have a winning season and people go, okay, it's just the same old, same old. So I do I do um, have a personal expectation that uh, we have a very functional basketball team. Uh, we can make threes. Our speed is good. We're, we're athletic. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know how good we're going to be until we get all these guys in the, in the mixer and, and, and blend them up and, you know, see how they work and see, you know, make sure they play together. We've, we've gotten talented guys that we think have great character. Uh, we do have really good dudes. I mean, they're really good dudes. Um, and you know, I've known a lot of them for a while, so these aren't, really uh, new guys to me so we'll see what happens but uh you know I'm I'm very optimistic about about who we have and who we could be yeah and as a fan you know of this this team you've been following it now for some time and then also you know the student body like you mentioned we gotta get the student body back you know interested in this there is you know at the time the U.S. Cellular announced the Pantherine of course I mean this thing was especially in the 2005 run it was, it was so, you know, it was packed up here, you know, for the Horizon League Championship. But I, why not? You know, why not? Why not this year? Why not next year? Right. Or why not for the future? I think, you know, like you mentioned, the talent is there and it's just a matter of, you know, like you said, mixing it all together. And with that, I mean, you kind of, you, you kind of touched on your, your, your coach, the Coach Lundy brand of basketball. But can you elaborate more on it? You mentioned with the three point shooting and just overall those, the defense. And just how would you describe the Coach Lundy brand of basketball? Well, it's going to be it's going to be fast. It's going to be exciting. Uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna pick up man to man full court. Uh, there's almost always something some some kind of uh, defense in the back court, whether it's man to man or or two two one or one two two or you know, there's going to be something there that the team the other team's got to handle. Uh, and then you know we're we're gonna. When we get the ball, we're going to run, make or miss. The only time you'll see the ball really walked up the court is maybe after a dead ball, after a timeout. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be fast. Um, this is entertainment. So uh, I, I think that uh, we're very modern and very entertaining to watch. Uh, I think you, you can go back and watch some Queens games and see that it's uh, it comes at you fast. So, Love that. yeah, uh, you know, it, it'll be fun for the fans and, you know the 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 thing that I'm I'm most excited about, um, and I kind of call it strength in numbers. You know, we've got two hundred thousand graduates from UWM, and seventy four percent of those live in the state. And then you've got twenty four thousand students, counting undergraduate and graduate students. Uh, we've got to be able to get a lot of folks involved, and that and I don't want to exclude uh, people that are here in the city and in the in the area that just want to be a part of fun at the games, and it's going to be. It's going to be a fun brand of basketball to watch. Love to hear that. And 
you know, some of the things you mentioned there with the pressing and the sounds a lot, you know, like shock is smart squad right now in Marquette, you know, and, and if you love watching that basketball, gotta, gotta watch the Milwaukee Panthers here, look out for them. And uh, yeah, I, I guess talk about more of the features too with the Panther arena. Right. And then the new practice facility being built on campus to the new practice courts, I believe. And what are your yeah. thoughts, you know, coming to that? I mean, that certainly had to have been an attractive thing to, bring you back to Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, so, so one of my favorite places, uh, that, that I've coached and I've been fortunate to coach in most of the great arenas in, in the country. Um, but one of my favorite places is Madison square garden. And, um, when I got back and, uh, Amanda Braun took me around and showed me all the things that Milwaukee had, uh, the, the, Panther Arena, the old Mecca, uh, was just blew me away. Uh, the the history, and uh, I want to make a big movement to get that history more on the walls in there. I want people to see when you when you go into Madison Square Garden, you see, you know the you, you see the Beatles played here. You see that uh, you know the all the great players, Michael Jordan's pictures there. You know the 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 things that have happened in the building and. I don't know that it has any better history than the Mecca. And so I want to get the, I want to get the history on the walls. And then uh, talking about the, uh, the practice facility, you know, one of the things that, that you can take advantage of being in a city is you can have your guys playing with, especially in the off season, playing with pros, you know, when they play pickup, play with the best, best of the best. So having a dedicated practice facility, you know, they can get in there and get shots. They, they have access all the time. Um, you know, we can have flexibility with schedule. All that's great. What I'm excited about is getting, making that a destination for, hey, the, the, the best pickup games in the history of the city are going to happen in that practice facility. And, you know, our guys are going are gonna to know that, hey, I can line up against anybody. And uh, and I can play with the best. And uh, I think when you have that kind of confidence, that's what propels your program forward. Yeah, exactly. That's why these facilities are going to be huge for the Milwaukee Panthers coming up for this season and for future ones to come. And I guess lastly, I want to talk more about, you know, involving the student body. Right. I um, full disclosure, uh, Coach Lundy and I, we actually got to meet each other at <laughs> we had a, we had a lunch with Lundy. It was called. You know, Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. was catered in and look, it was just one of the great ways, you know, to involve more of the student body because it was myself and other other students who were had the highest attendance basically at basketball games. And we were all there, talked with with Coach Lundy himself and then also with the marketing team about, you know, ways how we can plan it. We, we plan to involve the student body. And, you know, overall, Coach, do you have any things in mind that you really want to push forward to motivate the student body? Well, you know, I think uh, there are lots of ideas being thrown around. Um, f- for me, I just know that I've got to be out there and be visible. Our players have to be out and be visible. Uh, they got to be likable guys, you know, walk around smiling on campus and, and being friendly. Um, you know, we're going to be there at move-in day, you know, rolling our sleeves up, carrying people's stuff to their room, Um giving out pizza at the soccer games, uh, you know, uh, having, having tailgates, you know, maybe we'll yeah. do some scouting reports. I, I don't care what it is. We'll, we're open to any idea that anyone has. Um, but we want to, 
we want to be a part of the bigger community. And, uh, and then we want to give, uh, you know, Milwaukee as a university, something to be proud of on that court. Awesome. Yeah, exactly what the university needs. And, uh, that, that all sounds great. We're really looking forward to that coming up here. So I guess coach, that's all, that's all I had to talk about here. Is there anything else you wanted to add today? No, I just, uh, I love that, that, uh, Andrew, that you described it as, uh, you know, being in that meeting and then the, the ideas that we are going to come up with. So we've got to, we've got to, it's got to be all of us in this together. So, uh, it is a, we, and, and we've got strength in numbers, right? We do United. We roar, they say, and that'll wrap it up here. So thank you all for listening to yet another episode of Drew's sports crew, the perfect podcast for you.